Welcome back to the emergency goalies. We were going to do this a day earlier, but something came up. So we're doing it the day of a game. So in about, what, an hour, two hours, the Blackhawks play the LA Kings. So we're not going to know the result of that game, but you people will when you hear this. So that's a fun little thing. But the Blackhawks played two games since our last episode, and, you know, it was a split. You know, the second game against the Jets, the Soderblom got hurt, and it just kind of went off the rails after that. But I guess I'll go to you, Michael, and what do you think of this small week for the Blackhawks? Well, uh, you know, it was one good game, one bad game. The Kings game last Thursday was um, – Obviously, a win for the Blackhawks, which is uh, more fun. Uh, they did not play a great game by any stretch of the imagination. Um, it was mostly uh, a win on the shoulders of Arvid Soderblom, which, you know, your goalies are going to do that on occasion. He had a very good game. It was his first career NHL win. Uh, always nice to see an actual prospect um, be part of a, you know, a a good win for your team. So that's, that's a good sign. Uh, Soderblom had a lot of struggles last year in his very limited opportunities with the Blackhawks and he's been much better this year. And I'd say last Thursday was his best game of his career. And then you know, in overtime, uh, Jonathan Taves does what Jonathan Taves does an awful lot in overtime, and that was score the game-winning goal. Yep. So, good game there. Uh, and then, yeah, like you said, the Winnipeg game. You know, you're 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 down to your third and your fifth string goaltender, and your third string goaltender leaves after two periods, <laughs> and uh, it. Uh, didn't didn't go real well in the third period um, with Dylan Wells and that, but honestly, the Blackhawks were playing like kind of garbage <laughs> first two periods anyway. Yeah. Soderblom seemed he seemed to be keeping them in the game. Yeah, but, as, as you said on Twitter during the the game, this Wells should be in the EH the ECHL, right? Like he's massively above what he should be so it's kind yeah. of hard him. yeah i mean it, it was a guy that they literally had signed like the day before um, he'd been he started the year in the echl if i, if I remember correctly and then when uh, jackson jackson stauber um got hurt down in uh, rockford they brought wells in on an ahl contract um well, I, I I think they had signed Wells over the offseason, but I believe he was in the ECHL, even though he had an AHL deal. And then he started backing up Soderblom a couple of weeks back. And then obviously when uh, Soderblom came up here because of the injuries, uh, Wells was actually starting in Rockford. And then, yeah, it just, you know, the domino effect up the, the ladder when you lose your four, <laughs> your four, uh, goaltenders with uh, NHL contracts. So 
you know, he only lasted for a, a day on the NHL roster essentially because um, the Blackhawks fortunately had four four days off um, mm-hmm. after the Winnipeg game. And we should and, uh, we should add too that Peter Mrazek is back and in the lineup tonight. So and Soder Bloom apparently it was a minor injury. And he never had to go on IR or anything. So he's going to be back as the backup. So uh, Wells was sent down. And, you know, hopefully the Blackhawks, if they do suffer any more injuries and that can keep it to a minimum, um, you know, obviously uh, Alex Daylock is still out. But I believe he was skating prior to practice this week. So... That's usually a sign that he's as with Tyler Johnson. So yes, Tyler Johnson and Ian Mitchell as well. And I want to say there was even somebody else. So uh, I know the Blackhawks did come out and say that uh, given the amount of time that Mitchell has missed and that he missed all training camp in the first, you know, month of the regular season, they are going to send him to the AHL. to get his legs and then we'll have to see. So in the meantime, uh, Alex Regula is back. Um, sounds like he's going to get a little bit of power play time tonight. Uh, the Blackhawks have been spending a lot of time, I guess, reworking their power play over the last couple of days uh, because it's become a pretty big issue <laughs> in that uh, not only have they not been generating many goals from it, but they were not generating chances or even gaining entries very well so uh good that uh, they had a couple of days to work on that as well and the penalty kill has been giving up a lot of goals as well as of late i don't know that it's so much a factor of you know how they're actually playing on the penalty kill um as opposed to they're just taking so many penalties. Uh, They're the most penalized team in the NHL. And when you do that and you're just, you're setting yourself up for failure. So they were, they were getting away with it to start the year. And yes, that is not sustainable. Right. They had the, the one bad game to start the year in Colorado, but then they had a, you know, a nice run of five, six, seven games where the penalty kill was fantastic and was scoring shorthanded goals on top of the fact that they weren't giving up shorthanded or weren't giving up goals. And since then it's been very hit or miss. I would assume that the league has made some adjustments to the Blackhawks new, much more aggressive penalty kill strategies. So this might be a little bit of a factor of, okay, now we need to adjust to the adjustments that the, the league has made. So we'll see how that, that goes, but um, I haven't really noticed, uh, you know, guys being out of position or, you know, that sort of thing. It's just more been, we're giving up a lot of short, <laughs> we're giving up a, a lot of power play opportunities to the, to the opposition and we're missing Seth Jones and we're, you know, it, it's, we're playing our third and fourth and fifth string goaltenders in these games. And, it's, and there's just some plays. In those earlier stretches where there were some goals, just they got lucky. Yeah, that too. So 
yeah, I don't know. But uh, like I said, these these last four days off, uh, hopefully they just kind of function as a reset for all of that kind of stuff. And if there were adjustments that needed to be made for the special teams, hopefully they can have made them because the special teams was really the reason why the Blackhawks was, were, were winning as many games as they were. As we've talked about there, five on five has not been very good. Their five on five um, At least pos- possession wise is actually worse than it was last year. Yeah. Which if you would have told me that a month ago, you think I would have said, going? yeah, that's well, what we're going for here. <laughs> you know, I mean, we're, we, we gave away a lot of talent in the offseason. Didn't bring in a whole lot to replace it. Um, but I will say that despite the fact that they are losing the possession battle and are getting outshot by an awful lot, they are doing a much better job of limiting two-on-ones, they're doing a much better job of limiting high-danger cross-ice cross, cross ice passes in the offensive zone. Yeah, they're not really, giving up really as many um, shots in the slot. Yeah. As you say, it really goes to show you that, the, um, not to harp on this again, but the old system yeah. is just very bad. Yeah. Um, we talked about it enough over the last couple of years where it's like, I know there were other teams that played similar defensive uh, zone structures to what Colleton was trying to implement, but the Blackhawks did not have the personnel for it. And they just kept forcing this and forcing it. You have to have very good talent to do that. Yeah. Just you got to have a really good skating team. And the Blackhawks were so slow and small and just it, it, it was never going to work. And so with a, with a much more limited skill team, this is what you need to do. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, ironically, like 2010, you know, era Blackhawks, they might've been able to pull off that system, but, but this version, no. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I do think, yeah, I mean, yeah, especially when you had Duncan Keith in his prime, you still had Brian Campbell, you, uh, Jalmerson was just coming in. You had Seabrook was still able to move. Uh, uh, you, yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that, those kind of guys would have been able to handle that perfectly as well, you know, plus the fact that the forwards back then were far more committed yeah. <laughs> defensive players as well. And the Blackhawks just um, had the puck more. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And it just, yeah. Well, regardless, we, we're beyond the college stage at this point. We, we can uh, kind of dispense with uh, rehashing that, although it has been a popular yes. um, topic on Twitter and a uh, few other places over the last uh, week as so I guess- Kubalik and Doc and all these guys are having good starts. <laughs> make it um official podcast policy that we will no longer take shots at the Carlton system. Yeah, we- I think that's a good idea. It's just yeah, we're, we're, it was a bad fit at the wrong time, and it 
necessitated it pretty much put the last nail in the coffin of mm-hmm. of a lot of things that the um, cover up <laughs> hadn't already done and yeah it's uh, we got a good coach right now it seems like uh the the guys like playing for him he is you know keeping things very basic but that's what you need to do for a team like this well, well you know said election day just happened we'll say early returns are good yeah yeah it's uh and i'm glad he did get some early wins it's given him a little bit of buzz it's given him a little bit of hey you know i'm i might be the guy and that'll go a long way during what is probably going to be a very dark year and a half to two years and a half where the Blackhawks are just not going to have enough talent to compete. And so if you can at least give the fans a little bit of hope that, Hey, once we get the talent, we've at least got the right coach for it. Yeah. Um, that, that helps. So, you know, if we, if we had been, you know, kept Colleton and we were 0 and 11 again. <laughs> um, you still would have had the angst over, oh my gosh, you know, if we do get Connor Bedard, are we just going to end up wasting him because, you know, <laughs> going to be uh, putting him in the right situations? But it, it gives you at least the hope that if we, once we do get talent, that they will be utilized correctly. Yes. You don't want to get in there. Not that I know a lot of the people that listen to this are also Bears fans. And it's a very common fear that Bears fans always have. Well, we get the good players, but will they get messed up by our system? Right. Right. Although hopefully not anymore on the Bears front as well. It seems like we got that figured out too. The the uh, the coaches are making me happy with adjustments this year. Yeah, I'm happy for you guys. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's it's working out much better, and you know, obviously, it helps having a quarterback that can make plays too for the first time in thirty years. <laughs> so, yeah, at least uh, we have that distraction this this uh, this winter as as Chicago fans that we can at least take a little bit of pride in the Bears right now. The Hawks, yeah, it's tough and it's going to remain tough. And the the scary part is it's going to be worse next year. (laughs) As they're going to not have Kane, not have Tate. So, yeah. And, you know, a couple of the other guys that are playing well this year, too, are also going to be dealt. And, you know, it's none of the prospects other than Reichel are going to be ready next year. And so, you know, basically their entire top six this year is going to be gone. Yeah. And Reichel will come in and I mean, they could try and find a couple more Anthony CU Domi types to take flyers on. But honestly, I looked at next year's free agent class not too long ago and they're is not those types of players available. It's a, it's a lot of 30-year-olds. Wow. And there's just not that many 
you know, mid twenties, late twenties guys. Yeah. Uh, It'd be a rough so, year. Then. Yeah. So not, not a good, not a good year to restock. So next year I think is going to be thin on talent and there's going to be a huge amount of cap space that the Blackhawks are going to, it's actually going to start becoming tough to reach the, the minimum. Yeah. Uh, they still have some guys under contract next year. Um, so you could probably see them taking on bad contracts. Yes. I, I think you will start to see that. Unfortunately for the Blackhawks, the timing of that is not great given that the salary cap is finally going to go up next year, which will give some teams breathing room, which they have not had in quite some time. Because uh, I think the cap has been flat for what the last two or three yeah. years. I, I it was part of the um when they came back from the from COVID. Down the day had a freeze, yeah. I think. Yeah, they froze, they froze the cap and it led to a lot of teams. I think it's like right now, it's like two-thirds of the teams in the league are at or over the cap if you count the long-term injury uh, space. So uh, uh I don't know how much it's going to go up next year, but it's expected to go up pretty rapidly over the course of a couple of seasons. So the fact that the Black, this will, those will be the two seasons or three seasons where the Blackhawks have tons of space to spare, there might not quite be as much of a market. So that, um, I mean, there's always going to be bad contracts that teams want to get rid of, but the, no, no, no. Yeah. you're probably not going to get first round picks and stuff for it that sort of thing. So the, some of the leverage is gone, but yeah. I, I can't think of any other way that the Blackhawks are going to be able to reach the floor in um, maybe not next year, but the following year, it's going to be really tough. Unless I guess they just overpay for like mediocre players. I mean, you could, I guess. Like one year deal. And- yeah. Or, you know, maybe you can do like a two-year deal for some guys and front load the contract Mm -hmm. and then know that you're going to, you know, going to have to pay a lot that first year, but the next year, hopefully you can trade the contract. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's, it'll be interesting how they kind of go about things beyond next season, because beyond next season, I think it's Seth Jones and Connor Murphy. And then I think Jake McCabe has one year beyond next year. And those are the only three guys with contracts. And that's going to be a very long climb to the floor from there. Cause that's, I think in total, that's like maybe like 18 million just with those three guys. And they don't really have guys that are going to be coming up for expensive extensions a lot of the talent that they're going to try and be icing by that point, you're going to start hoping to start bringing in some of your prospects to play. And those guys aren't going to have contracts <laughs> that you have to worry about. So yeah, the, the lack of the Taves and Kane contracts, you know, starting next year and then especially the following year, that's yeah, it's going to be interesting uh, to say the least. Yep. So I guess that's one good part of the Seth Jones deal. Some money to the floor. 
in, in that way, it, it, it does. And his contract is also front loaded. I want to say he's actually making like 12 million or 11 million for like the next three years. Mm-hmm. Uh, so through those, those basically this year and the following two years where it's going to be tough to kind of reach the floor. I think his contract would be fairly untradeable uh, during that time anyway. So hopefully if they do decide he's not going to still be part of the, the actual buildup part from the rebuild, um, maybe by that point he does be, he would be willing to move. Um, there's at least the, the outside chance that his contract would be a little more movable because the cap would be higher and his salary will be lower. Um, I think over the last like four years of his deal, I think he only makes like 7 million a year or something like that. So yeah, there's a chance there, but uh, at least this week, we've got a lot more hockey to that we can discuss. You know, that's a good segue. So we'll just obviously Thursday night to play the Kings. So you will already know the, results of this when you hear this but then the rest of the week yeah you know it's like a little mini road swing this week we got the kings tonight anaheim saturday Uh, obviously we just beat the kings last thursday playing them again tonight Uh, anaheim's one of the worst teams in the league so that'll be an interesting matchup for the blackhawks um and i understand this is the father's trip for the blackhawks this year so probably hear uh, you know about some fun outings for the for the team either on Friday or Sunday. Um, I guess it's Friday they'll they'll do something in LA, and then uh, yeah, next week they come back home and you got Carolina Monday, which Ooh. that's not going to be good. <laughs> uh, that's definitely one of the better teams in the league. Yep, and a horrible matchup for the Blackhawks. Always have been. Always has been. Um, although at least the Blackhawks skate a little better this year. Um, the last couple of years when they've had to play the Hurricanes, not only was the the Hurricanes playing a well-structured hockey that was destroying run-and-gun nature of the Blackhawks under Colleton, um, they were also just skating them out of the, the arena. Um, this year, I don't know that they'll get skated out of the arena quite as bad. Um, the Blackhawks do move a little better this year, but we do have the good uh, structure. This, yeah, the, the the skill level difference will be stark. Mm-hmm. And then uh, after that, uh, next Wednesday they play St. Louis. Mm-hmm. I think this will be the first time we play the Blues this year. Well, Ben Jeff, the disaster. Yeah, I I don't understand that one. They are on quite the horrible run. I keep waiting for them to rebound. I mean, I know they had a little bit of injuries, but they've been blowout games too. Yeah, that, that that team has way too much talent to be this bad. So, yeah, I don't know what what the situation there is. I I, I haven't been like reading or listening to opinions on that. I've just kind of been observing it from afar. I just, I just see the box scores and go, yeah. I, I just, I don't understand that one right now, but. If anything can get him going, it would be playing the Blackhawks. You would think, you would think. They had their number recently. Yeah. Um, 
So, it, I mean, these four games this week, two of them are against, you know, not so great teams. Just just beat the Kings, so you figure that's a winnable game, but, you know, it's different on the road. Uh, the Anaheim game, I figure, is going to be a toss-up. Those are two struggling teams. Probably going to lose the Carolina game. Yeah, I'm just I'm writing that off right now. <laughs> I mean, even though the Blackhawks have beaten a couple uh, teams that are, you know, clearly better than them. Yeah. Um, but this, uh, this is more of a comparable to the Colorado game. Yes. Uh, and uh, I expect similar outcomes. Yeah. Uh, and then St. Louis. Uh, who knows? Who knows? Yeah, I, I'm curious to watch them next week and see if, you know, maybe they've had a turnaround before the Blackhawks get to them, but I'm kind of curious just to watch them and see what what's going on. Is it a coaching thing? Have mm-hmm. the players just quit, or are they just experiencing bad luck? Yeah. So, yeah, it'll be much more interesting hockey-wise this week than it was last week. Yes. All right. Well, as always, I'm SKH85 on Twitter. Uh, I'm MJ underscore Ernst. And we're still operating under the belief that Twitter will exist. (laughs) We'll see. We'll see. Anyway, as always, go Hawks.